Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Rays win their fifth in a row. They go to 15 games over 500 thanks to walk-off Willie Adames. Who would ever want to get rid of that guy with a game-winning single in the 11th inning to sweep the Blue Jays with a 4-3 win. This time, it was the second smallest crowd in club history to watch a game at the Trop. Why is the Rays' home attendance becoming a big story this season? We'll talk about that in all things Rays with Times beat writer Mark Topkin in just a minute. Gerald McCoy wrapped up his visit to the Ravens without signing a contract. What does Baltimore have that uh, maybe Cleveland Browns can't offer? And how is a new NFC South team suddenly emerging as a contender to land McCoy? We'll talk about all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, have you checked out the weather outside? It's hard on your air conditioning, let me tell you. It's even harder on your electric bill right now. Uh, my last one was way over $300, folks. If you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar. That's right. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like many other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor they have a full showroom. You can see their products, and they are open on weekdays. And May Electric Solar has been around for 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and peers. Now, there are many other companies out there imitating them and trying to use their great name. Remember, they don't use subcontractors, and they don't subcontract with any other company in any other way. Everyone knows it has to be May all the way. So let's stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You call right now. You can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Okay, Steve, you were at the game. Lots to talk about. We'll start with the ending first, I guess. Uh, walk off Willie Adamas. You know, I was saying how Willie Adamas uh, has been really one of their more – no, I, actually, I called for him to be sent down a few days ago. It seems like, um, mostly because of his defense, but that seems to have calmed down. He gets a big hit for him. I was surprised you told me prior to the podcast, that's their first walk-off win of the year. Yeah, it's the uh, second latest walk-off, first walk-off win in, in franchise history. The first mm. being 1999, the second year of the franchise, when it was like July 20th or something, they got their first walk-off. Yeah, that's that's something. Well, you know, they started the game and uh, – Toronto really sort of came out with an ambush plan, I thought, on Blake Snell, who um, you know likes to get ahead of hitters, uh, uses his fastball a lot of times to do that, and they were up there hacking. He he got a little too much of the plate, gives up four hits to start the game. Before you know it, he's down two to nothing. And well, three um, pitches yeah. in, it was down two nothing. Yeah, exactly. Right. He's, yeah, three pitches. His I mean, Lourdes Gurriel uh, hit a home run on the third pitch. He did. Yeah, he blasted one. So. Uh, so he's down, and uh, you're wondering if the Rays are going to give him some run support. They chipped away, of course, and uh, they wound up coming back and taking a 3-2 to lead. 
But once again, Jose Alvarado is uh, struggling a bit, as shall we say, in late innings right now with his control, it seems. It seems like he's overthrowing the ball. And, and, yeah. I mean, the velocity's there, and, and he seems okay there, but it seems like he's overthrowing the ball. That inning started with a play Willie Dama should have made at shortstop. The ball gets through. You get a base runner on, and you get mm-hmm. a single to uh, Avisel Garcia in right field, which he made every effort to try to catch it. It, it bounced, and then it ricocheted way away from him. Um, allowing the run to score, and, and all of a sudden it was a tie game again, three three. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of gone that way. And yeah, and you're right. Actually, we I was referencing Adamas's defense. There was a play there that he certainly could have made uh, and didn't. But credit uh, Hunter Wood, who boy, talk about uh, getting them out of a tough situation. Bases loaded, nobody out. He gets them to ground into a four two three double play. And then uh, gets the third out, gets out of the inning, and and uh, and and remains in the game, and pitches a couple other scoreless innings. Yeah, he went three innings tonight, scoreless. Uh, I, I believe it's now six, or, or I'm not sure how many base runners, but he has not allowed an inherited base runner to score this season. Yeah, which so is which is what you want out of your relievers is come in and Absolutely. stop the bleeding. Right. It's not about ERA. It's not about that. It's just whether they can keep guys right where they're at and. Um, you don't you don't wriggle off the hook very. I mean, look, Toronto had their chance to to put this game away uh, several times. They left a lot of guys on base, as did the Rays. They had the some Rays situations. in the first three innings yeah. had lots of base runners and only had one yeah. run. Absolutely, Austin Meadows stays hot. He continues to swing the swing the bat. Really, him and Tommy Pham at the top of that lineup have just been. Uh, it seems like it's weird. It seems like Meadows is leading off not only the game, but it seems like lately he's been leading off every inning. And Pham is right behind him, and and uh, Tommy had three hits as well, I believe. So uh, they, they're they're getting guys on, but they weren't getting guys in. And some of that, uh, especially early in the game, was credit to some great defense by Toronto. Especially what a catch in center field. Uh, we saw one the other night where Kiermaier, um, you know, scaled the wall and, and and pulled a potential home run back. I'm telling you, uh, the play that that uh, Toronto made early in that game uh, was as good a catch I've seen. Yeah, yeah, you kind of wonder. We were, you know, the the Davis catch tonight or the Kiermaier catch uh, the, like the night before, where he was yeah. slamming into the wall. I mean, both are spectacular catches. And yeah, you know, you really, you really thought the Rays were taking the lead on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's two runs right there at minimum, and uh, and and you know, and possibly a big inning. Um, but uh, but they managed to, you know, they hung in there and they get they get the sweep, which is which is hard to do against any team. Um, and of course, Toronto is is not had a, a great start to their season. It really couldn't come at a better time because uh, the Rays have now, I guess, they matched um, their longest win streak of the season. That's five in a row, right? Um, we mm-hmm. mentioned that they went to uh, 15 games over 500, and now here comes the team that does have the best record in baseball in the Minnesota Twins to the Trop, and coached, of course, by or managed by Rocco Baldelli in his first season there. Yeah, this is going to be a, you know, Eric Neander's talked about it and we've talked about it that, you know, this, you want a measuring stick. I mean, you've had, the, you've had the Red Sox, you've had the Yankees, the Astros you opened the season with, but, you know, this team right now is playing great baseball. They're 20 games above 500, the best record in baseball. You've got a four-game series against them. This is a measuring stick series here. You'd like to say that the Twins, while, while you can't, you, know, you certainly look at their record and it's, you're incredibly impressed, you do have to remember – um, that the Rays are playing in the American League East, and mm-hmm. this might be the weakest team, the weakest you know 
division in, in the American League um, with, uh, with what Minnesota has and the Chicago White Sox and some of those teams in that division. But um, they're getting it done against everybody. So, um, you know. You, they have, they have 112 run differential right now. That's yeah, enormous, yeah. I mean, they've scored 324 runs, which mm-hmm. I believe leads baseball. I could let me check real quick here. Yes, that does lead baseball. Three hundred twenty-four runs, so they're scoring the most runs, giving up two twelve, which is about middle of the pack as far as you know run score. The Rays have only given up one hundred sixty-six runs as comparison, but they're scoring eighty runs less than the Twins. So, I mean, we knew that we we thought that Cleveland would would have a good ball club, and and uh, and they've kind of been up and down a little bit. But I mean, was this anticipated? I mean, before they they hired Rocco Baldelli, or um, could he have this much influence over sort of the, the, the way, the aggressive way that they're playing and, and swinging the bats right now? Yeah, I don't know if anyone expected Minnesota to be 20 games above 500 at this point or leading the AL Central, but they did make a lot of moves in the offseason. Added a lot of, there's a lot of actually former Rays on this team. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, CJ Crone, among others, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Nelson Cruz, Jonathan Scope. I mean, they added a lot of players this year. They were expected – I mean, they were a decent team last year. They were expected to be better this year. But I don't think anyone yeah. predicted they'd be first place. So the Rays uh, maintained uh, just being one game behind the New York Yankees in the AL East. Uh, the Yankees beat San Diego 7 to nothing. They got a uh, six-and-a-half game lead, I guess, on the Boston Red Sox. Um, and so the that's A's. Sig- and the A's, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be what the final wild card or Boston? The first wild and, yeah, card? If the playoff started today. Boston and Oakland would be tied for the final wild card. The Rays would, the wa- would host. Yeah, we're scoreboard we're watching the scoreboard. It's awesome. Which it's not even uh, the end of May yet, which is great. Um, not so great. Well, I guess it's good news actually for Matt Duffy, um, the Rays infielder. Remember, he had uh, tweaked his hamstring and went and saw a specialist. Uh, I guess they're saying uh, no, no real major concerns there. Well, it's saying fairly good news. There's there's no need to be shut down. He can keep working on strengthening the hamstring, but yeah. no no timetable set to resume his rehab though. So probably a ways off. Right. In a second, we're going to talk to Mark Tompkins. This is something uh, that we actually uh, taped before uh, the Rays game on uh, on Wednesday night, and um, you know again the Rays uh, wrapped up the series with Toronto. Uh, you know the night before they had their lowest attendance in franchise history at the Trop. Well, on Wednesday night, they had their second lowest. 6,166 were in attendance to see uh, the Rays wind up sweeping the Toronto Blue Jays. Rays uh, president Brian Auld had, uh, had a statement about, uh, about the attendance situation right now. Yeah, he said, We appreciate the support of our fans, and we believe that St. Petersburg, Tampa, and the entire Tampa Bay region will rally around this exciting and compelling Rays team. Mark Tompkin joins us now, and Mark, uh, the Rays uh, entering Wednesday night's game uh, had had four straight wins. There were 14 games over 500, one game out of first place in the American League East, and yet on Tuesday night they had 5,786 in attendance. That's the lowest in franchise history. This continues, I think, to be an important story. I know there have been people on Twitter wanting to know why Why does the Tampa Bay Times or you reference the attendance, but here we have a franchise record, and we've seen low attendance before, but I would think that even the Rays have to be surprised with this team and this sort of success that they've had that there is this sort of disconnect right now with their fans. I mean, I, I got to think so too, Rick, and I think probably not just the Rays, but you know, other people around Major League Baseball, including you know the people up in New York watching this, and 
Yeah. And it's weird. I mean, obviously the team is playing well. And from what we see in, you know, the anecdotal evidence we get, TV ratings are good. Radio ratings are good. You know, merchandise mm-hmm. sales, web hits and all that. So there's people interested in the team. I mean, our, our news, our own newspaper web hits. I mean, there's lots of different metrics to use here, but why yeah. are people not coming to the ballpark? And it's not a new storyline in that regard, but here, here's my point. I'll sum it up as succinctly as possible is sure. this is the, this is the most critical juncture uh, regarding the future of the franchise that's ever happened. And, and, you know, it's at a point now where the owner has made it very clear, you know, Steve Sternberg, that, you know, they need to figure out a stadium situation. He's also made it very clear that if they don't figure it out in the next couple of years, they're going to have to start thinking about where they're going to be in 2028 when their uh, use agreement at Tropicana Field expires. So if you frame this as this is the most you know critical time regarding the future of the franchise overall, and then add to the fact that the city of St. Petersburg is interested in offering to build a new stadium in the city limits, probably on the TROP site. Steve Sternberger said he's going to get back to Mayor Rick Kreisman sometime this summer. So how could it not be relevant? How could it not be critical? This is the only legal option the team has right now is to build a new stadium in the city of St. Petersburg. And they're using their most recent anecdotal evidence to make this decision. And here they are, you know, they come off a first, they go on a come open at home, go on a three-city, two-week road trip, come back with the best record in baseball, draw 9,000 three nights in a row against Orioles. Then a little better over the weekend, obviously, against Red Sox, split allegiance crowd. They play well. They go on the road again, go on another three-city, two-week road trip, come back with the best record in Major League Baseball again, play three games against Arizona, draw in the 8,000s for three games, then do well against the Yankees. Again, sell out, again, split allegiance crowd. They come back from this latest little scheduling where they were home, road, home for two days, gone again, back again. I know it's a Tuesday. I know it's a day after Memorial Day. I know it's the last week of school and all of those factors, but 5,700 and some people, I mean, that is embarrassing and that is a odd reality they have to deal with. People talk about, um, you know, the, the TV ratings and, and certainly those are important, the market size, but at the end of the day, is, is Major League Baseball more concerned with those things or, or is it, uh, you know, just the, the actual in-house support? That they're that they're failing to get now as a franchise. I think it all factors in, Rick, and all ultimately will go in. And, and I know having discussions with some of our colleagues in the media you know, who make the point that they they can't believe MLB would would abandon what, on some measurements, is the eleventh largest TV market in the country. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some validity to that point. But I also think there's a, an optics portion of this. I think there's also sure. a competitive nature of this. I mean, what do you think that looks like to people watching from elsewhere in the country? Mm-hmm that this mm. is a team, one of the top five teams of Major League Baseball, playing, as you said, to get within a game of first place, and the stadium is virtually empty. I mean, there were 5,700 people. That's the announced attendance. That's tickets distributed. There were obviously less than that here. There's always going to be less than the total announced. That's how every team in baseball does it. But that that was the reception. That's what they got. I mean, look, the players are, you know, they're, they're coached, and they know well. Most of them know well enough not to say much and certainly not to rip the attendance, rip the fans. We've had that a few years ago where Longoria and Price did it, and you know people overreacted to that. But you know, I think if you, and you've been around enough pro athletes, and it would translate to football, which you're more familiar with from a coverage standpoint, Rick, and you've played baseball at a high level. I mean, there is an energy that fans bring, and, and you ask players, and they will tell you it's tough to play in an empty stadium. It's tough to play when there's no crowd. It's best to play when there's a big crowd and it's behind you. It can be motivating to play when there's a big crowd against you. But having no crowd or no energy in the ballpark, and especially with the grind these guys play under where they play every day and they travel and all that, it's a factor. And I think all of that will be considered by Major League Baseball at some point if there's no resolution here. 
Yeah, from a from a player standpoint, a team standpoint, I mean, um, they've done very, very well on the road this year. And you know, when they've had big crowds at home, it has been a split allegiance, whether it's the Red Sox or the Yankees. Um, but they, they forfeit a competitive advantage because they don't have people or at least a loud portion of people behind them in, in most games. Yeah, and, you know, you go back and even, you know, and, and part of it, I'm sure, is on the Rays. I mean, could they promote differently? Could they market differently? Of course, it's not working. There's got to be things they could do better and do differently as well. You, know, you go back to they had that stretch kind of during the glory years and they get the playoffs, and that's when the uh, weekend concerts were in vogue, and they had like a 25-3 and three record or something with 30,000 or more when they had concert nights. And, you know, right. however it is, those things matter. Now, you know, maybe that's not the, the way teams are doing it now. Maybe it's not something the Rays want to do anymore from a marketing standpoint. But, you know, there's an onus on them to find a way to get more people in the building, and there's an onus on the fans to show up and support the team. I mean, I, I don't think there's any – blame no one is picking out any individual people and saying you know as sure. you know we've all seen on twitter you shouldn't no you should not not go coach your daughter's softball team to come to the game no that's not what we're saying no you should <laughs> not be home with your sick parent because you can get no you should not spend your food money on tickets because it's going to cost you 500 dollars. but you can go for 15 dollars. you can buy a ticket from a secondary market you can bring your own food and i mean I think the point is everyone can't have an excuse. There's still got to be a core number. If it's too far for people from Tampa to come on a weekday, I get that. I've tried to go to concerts and games in Emily Arena. I live in St. Pete Beach. It can be problematic. But where are the people in St. Pete, Clearwater, uh, Bradenton? You know, you're not talking about getting 30,000. You're talking about getting to 10 or 12,000. They're not yeah. even getting that. Yeah. Their lease runs through 2027. Um, realistically, when would, they, when would they need to know where they're going to play beyond that? You know, I, I think you probably, and, and you know, not not only not being a doctor, but not being a contractor either. Um, <laughs> I, I think probably five years is what we kind of hear. So, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But, you know, they need to know where they're playing in 2028. They probably need to know that by 2023, especially, you know, it's going to get built. Something's got to get permitted. You know, just think of all the issues. Think Think of it this way. They've been trying this for, what, 15 years here, and they haven't sure. got anywhere yet. Now, I know it'll be yeah. a community that, that's prepared to act and will have the proper leadership, whether it's from the business side or the governmental side or the community side, or crazy as it might be, all three actually all pulling together to try to get a, a baseball team and build a stadium and make a franchise successful, which probably is a fair criticism of this area. That hasn't been the case. But, you know, it's going to take a while to get that done. So. You know, 2023, I think the Rays probably have to feel like they know either they have got a new home in the Tampa Bay area, maybe they're already you know, it's under construction, or heck, it's even, uh, I guess it wouldn't be open yet, but it could be close. Or yeah. they have to start thinking, okay, they're going to be free to move in 2028 and you know, go through the mechanism of Major League Baseball to start making that happen. Now, I will tell you this, and some of our friends in the Toronto media that are here for this series obviously are very well versed mm-hmm. in the Montreal situation and uh, one of my friends, Shai Davidi, who does a lot of great work up there, he was saying last night that, you know, the Montreal people are speaking, just even going back to the exhibitions they had this spring, he said they are speaking with a lot of confidence that they think something's going to happen and it's going to happen sooner than later. Now, 
whether that's with the Rays, whether that's with Oakland, whether there's another team that we're not even thinking of that you know could be o- open to moving, which I can't imagine what that would be, or expansion would get accelerated, and the commissioner seems to be pretty steadfast saying he won't allow expansion until the Rays and A's get their stadium situations figured out. All right. Makes sense. Let's talk about the team real quick. June 1st is just a day away. Um, that's when uh, the Rays or any other team presumably wouldn't have to give up a draft pick for some of the players that are available, like a Dallas Keuchel. I mean, do you see uh, the Rays being um, – uh, I, I know they have interest, but uh, with the way things are going, the way Yanni Chirinos has thrown the ball, Ryan Yarbrough, are they less likely or more likely to try to do something with the starting pitcher? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to do something on a starting pitcher, at least not right now and not for Dallas Keuchel and not in a bidding war. I mean, I think if they do yeah. something for a starting pitcher, it would be more of a typical raise move where they would either get somebody who's a little bit on the rise or, you know, we saw them in 2017 go out and do some rental-type players. They got C.C. Schick, they got Dan Jennings, they got Lucas Duda. I could see that sure. happening maybe a little later this season. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you can't rule out crazy things. I mean, Noah Syndergaard's name's been out there before. If he's a guy that they thought, boy, they could get him and have him for a couple years and the price isn't mm-hmm. absorbent, but I don't mm-hmm. think that that's where they're going to dedicate their resources. I think if you, if you were going to ask me just a binary choice, if they were going to yeah. sign one, if they absolutely were going to sign one, I think it would definitely be Kimbrell before it would be Keiko. Sure. Now, you know, is, is that mean they're going to sign – Kimbrell, I think they're going to go find some relief. I think one of the things that they're lacking right now is, is some been there, done that type of guys, especially in the bullpen, and they don't have to be closers. I mean, you can go get a guy, you know, again, Seashick and Jennings weren't, you know, Seashick was actually pretty good. Jennings wasn't all that good for the Rays, but just some people that have been there and done it, and maybe some guys who've been on teams like Romo, you know, who a couple of years ago came over here and, you know, he's got three World Series rings. He's gotten the last out of a World Series. Just some people that have done that because, you get some young kids down there in that bullpen, either young age-wise or young experience-wise. I mean, Chaz Rose, kind of the old guy at the bullpen, he doesn't have all that much experience. You know, somebody who's been in a playoff game, somebody who's pitched in a do-or-die type game, somebody who comes in with the bases loaded a lot and doesn't worry about it. You know, maybe one or two guys like that. Yeah, they definitely uh, could could use some experience in the bullpen. Uh, uh, finally, Mark, a couple things, though. What's the latest on Yanni Diaz or Joey Wendell, those guys uh, looking to come back soon? Yeah, Diaz is a little bit of a mystery. He took uh, some swings on Tuesday and said he still felt something in the hand. I mean, that had been nine days since he'd been hit. He was hit a week ago Sunday in New York. So, hmm. you know, I, you know, they they seemed very confident, and Kevin Cash was adamant that they did a thorough, you know, x-rays and CT scans yeah. and all the things you can do to a hand that it wasn't broken. But you do wonder now that that's dragged on. Obviously, putting him on the injured list was a smart move. Joey Wendell's making good progress. He's still a couple weeks away. I think you'll see Zanino back by the end of the week. He started his right. rehab on Tuesday night. Uh, Mikey Perez maybe behind that. So it's interesting. Zanino was originally about a two-week behind Perez in the original time schedule. He's going to end up coming back first, it looks like. Uh, and then the other big health question right now is Matt Duffy. He flew out on Tuesday night to see a specialist uh, out in Dallas, a guy who's known for you know hamstring uh, injuries and hamstring repair and hamstring surgery. Now, Duffy didn't think it was to that extreme. He felt it was more information gathering. But you know, this is a guy that solved Evan Longoria's hamstring problems a number of years ago with an off-season surgery. We saw the Rays with the player of the month in April. I don't know, had Austin Meadows played even more games, he could be your May player of the month, couldn't he? Yeah, it's pretty amazing what he's done um, and, and, you know, the fact that he missed three weeks and he came back and he, he basically picked up where he was and, and uh, mm. has done just as well. And it's pretty remarkable for a young player. I mean, you, you see that narrative go the other way so many times in any sport. A guy's off sure. to a good start, young or old, and he has a, an injury or something like that. He comes back and it just goes south on him. And 
credit to Austin Meadows for what he's done and to be able to pick it back up and really just be a force. And you're right. Look at those numbers now, 12 homers and what he's got mm. 30 RBIs or close to it. And, you know, that was missing three weeks. They're a great ball club, and uh, they are, as we talked to Mark Tompkin, maybe uh, 14 games entering Wednesday night's game, of course, against the Toronto Blue Jays. Mark, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. All right, Rick. Anytime, buddy. Okay. Meanwhile, the other team that's uh, gaining some headlines, of course, in Tampa Bay are the Buccaneers right now as they continue their OTAs. Uh, today, they expect Indomitian Sioux to uh, join them uh, in the offseason workout program. I don't know whether he's going to practice uh, so far, at least, as we uh, do this podcast uh, early, actually uh, Thursday morning, they had not called for a press conference just yet. Uh, the OTAs are open to the media on Friday, so perhaps we'll have a chance to talk to Ndamukong Su, uh by then. Um, nonetheless, of course, uh, that means Joe McCoy is still a free agent and still available, and he had a kind of a two-day visit with the Baltimore Ravens, and it concluded – on Wednesday uh, there, and, and by all, I tell you what, a lot of Baltimore Ravens players uh, tweeting things that would, would seem to indicate they thought it went re- very, very well. In fact, I was told it was a very good visit with the Ravens. The Ravens are, are an impressive organization. You know, they're, you go back and look at the success that they have had um, since, of course, they were the former Cleveland Browns moving back to Baltimore and they're moving to Baltimore uh, and they have uh, consistently been a team that's uh, you know at or near the top of their standings. Made the playoffs, of course, won a Super Bowl uh, not that many years ago, and now it's kind of a new era, if you will, with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. The, the jury is kind of out on him, I suppose. You could say a running quarterback, uh, kind of gimmicky at one point last season, helped turn their season around, and in fact win the division at ten and six, but then were beaten in the uh, postseason mm-hmm. by San Diego, which may have exposed sort of the way to beat Lamar Jackson. He's got a long way to go as a passer, for sure. Well, their owner, and Steve that... Bashotti, on a conference call with season ticket holders tonight, said that Lamar Jackson would be running less this season. Yeah, well, that's always the plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was a plan for RG3, too, until he got hurt. So, um, But they, they, didn't, they weren't shy about it. I think they were just trying to win games last year. Because they had to win, they had to win all of them really to uh, to try to win that division, and they did. Um, so perhaps that that will be something that they will they will certainly try to address because you're not going to be able to keep the guy healthy if he runs as much as he did last year. He was very successful doing it. Um, but they're they're an interesting team, and they're a franchise that has consistently stayed, like I said, at or near the top. Of course, it's a tough division with Pittsburgh. The Cleveland Browns are in there. Joe McCoy had a visit with them. Was very impressed by the Browns. They're sort of the uh, sort of the rising team in the AFC or, the, you know, certainly that division. And many people pick them to win that division, if not the AFC itself. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of pieces in place already, I think, in Cleveland. Uh, Baltimore, you know, with, uh, with John Harbaugh has had a lot of continuity uh, and, and the ownership you just mentioned. So, so there, there are some good signs in both places. And I think McCoy um, had to be come away impressed with the Ravens. In fact, he attended Haladi Nada's uh, retirement, if you will. He, he retired. You know, he signed the old proverbial one-day contract so he could retire as a Baltimore Raven. And so he actually was, was in the building during that, uh, during that press conference, which was something you would not have expected a guy that's sort of on a free agent trip to do. But then again, you know, maybe he wanted to observe with other players uh, sort of how uh, the organization honored its, its, uh, its stars as well. So 
you know, all those things are good signs for the Ravens. There were positive signs for the Browns. He did leave town without a contract. My uh, information is he was probably headed back to Tampa to mull over uh, the offers with Cleveland, the offer with uh, the Baltimore Ravens. They were canceling some potential visits from what I understand. That doesn't mean it's just between those two teams because, oh, by the way, here comes a contender from the NFC South. The Carolina Panthers now, I am told, are, uh, are a legit team that, uh, that have a big interest in Gerald McCoy. I don't know if this is going to materialize into a visit or even, for that matter, an offer. Um, you know, certainly every team has you know, different salary cap situations, but when you think about you know, the NFC South and Gerald McCoy, uh, of course Cam Newton coming off a shoulder injury, still unable really to participate, I think, or throw at least, in the OTAs, uh, you know, some question mark about uh, how ready he will be when the season starts. And it's ironic that, uh, you know, if he does go to that NFC South team, it's the one team that they will not play at Raymond James next season because their game against the, the Panthers is actually in London. Uh, so Gerald McCoy would not be making sort of the uh, the prodigal son come home uh, trip. But uh, nonetheless, they play the Panthers Four, uh, what is it, three days, I guess, or four days after the mm-hmm. uh, season opener against the San Francisco 49ers, they go to Carolina on the first Thursday night game. So that would be an interesting scenario for sure for Gerald McCoy. So, so we can say with some certainty as we do this podcast, at least as you listen to this, that uh, the Browns are a big player still in this thing. The Ravens are certainly. Um, there was some talk about Cincinnati. I'm not so sure that there will be a visit or, or much of a marriage there. And now Carolina uh, is a team that uh, is, is also in, involved in this in, at some level. So I would think that maybe as early as today, I think by Friday, unless something else materializes, he'll probably have a decision if I'm, if I'm kind of reading the tea leaves here. Um, but that's where they are with Gerald McCoy, and, and it'll be uh, – you know, I, I, I've had a lot of people on, on – not a lot of people, but a, a number of fans on, on Twitter say, hey, we're tired of Jerome McCoy news. We don't want to know – we don't care about Jerome McCoy. Well, you know, I'm wondering if you would care if he happens to end up in the NFC South because I have seen this movie before. Um, you know, of course, in the NFL, there, you, most players end up playing for more than one team anyway, uh, and there's always these quote-unquote revenge games, right? We've seen it with John Lynch. Um, we've, we've seen it with other players, you know, uh, that have left here and, and come back and played against their former team. Um, but that would be, that would be something weird to see Gerald McCoy as a Carolina Panther and going against his former team in the Bucks twice a year would have been the same if he went to Atlanta, which does have an interest as well. Um, but less salary cap, uh, situation well, their, their situation is pretty good, but they got to re-sign Julio Jones. They have some priorities ahead of Gerald McCoy or trying to figure out how to get him on board. So, um, I, I think this thing's going to be wrapped up fairly soon, and it's been—it's probably been good for McCoy um, to sort of get an idea of of how other teams feel about him. I don't know contractually where the deal will come in. Like I said, I think the better the team that has less salary cap, probably the lower deal. But the goal would be uh, for him to do a one-year contract, and then you know if he plays well, much like in Domicon Sue. Then you know maybe the you know more money is available to him next year, or at least the opportunity to sign maybe a multi-year deal. We'll just see. I mean, both those guys, Sue and McCoy, are, are exactly you know the same place, entering their tenth season, and who knows how many more years they can can really play at a high level. I know that with McCoy, he stated that he wants to play three or four more seasons, but 
health has a lot to do with that. And, um, you know, you just never know uh, what the fit is going to be with each team. So that's where we're at with Gerald McCoy. We should have more updates uh, on him. If you uh, keep it uh, on TampaBay.com, check with that. Check my Twitter feed at NFL Stroud, and uh, we'll give you some updates throughout the day. Rick, we got good news from USF, where uh, point guard LaQuincy Redow is going to return for his senior season. Of course, he had put his oh, name wow. into the NBA draft, uh, you know, getting feedback and talking to people to see where he may go in the NBA draft, and he has decided to return for a senior season at USF. So good news for Brian Gregory and the team that uh, – what was it, 23, 24 wins and won the CBI tournament at the end of the season. So good news mm-hmm. for them coming back next year. That's right. It's very good news. Not many teams win their last game, and they did uh, in a championship. And they got one, one banner, I guess, that they could hang uh, from USF. Speaking of, uh, of colleges and particularly college football, of course, the Southeastern Conference football meetings are going on in Destin in the Panhandle. Uh, we're going to talk to Matt Baker tomorrow, who covers college football and the college sports in general for the Tampa Bay Times. Had a good story in this morning's uh, Tampa Bay Times, or you can read it on tampabay.com, among other things, but uh, talking to uh, Jimbo Fisher and and talking about Jimbo Fisher and the condition that he left Florida State, which wasn't good. You know, I think a lot of what Willie Taggart or any coach would have had to uh, dealt with last season was a direct result of Fisher just really sort of not giving a damn the last few years at Florida State. I don't know how else to say it. His, his recruiting was not at the level that it needed to be because I think he had one foot out the door, Steve. And I think that that is, has bared, you know, uh, has shown to be true with what Florida State has had to deal with these last last few years. Yeah, and particularly the last season. I mean, I think after he lost the quarterbacks and got blown out by Alabama, I, yeah. I think he had pretty much stopped coaching that year. He was always fighting with, you know, the administration there. Was never was always flirting with other jobs because he wasn't happy with the administration, the facilities, and all that. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I, I think, and it happens a lot of times when you get a, a big time coach or you know manager in that regard, and they're not happy, and they you know things start to slip through the cracks. And and one of the reasons they leave is they know it's not going to be as good as it was, and a lot of it's their own fault. Absolutely. Right. When you're uh, when you're focused on getting your next job, you're probably not doing such a good job with the one you have. So I, I think that things started to started to slide a little bit. And and uh, whether he wants to take the blame for it or not, I think that's sort of the reality. He seems to think that he left the program in good shape. Um, but all the evidence is to the contrary. So make sure you check that out, as well as uh, Matt Baker also had a chance to talk to uh, LSU head coach uh, Ed Orgeron about Devin White. And some of the things he said about Devin are uh, very impressive as well uh, with respect to his leadership and, and what the Bucks can expect in that area. So we'll have Matt Baker on with us for Friday, and you want to make sure you check that out. Okay, and uh, remember, I know, uh, you know, at this time of year, your electric bill is probably going nuts because it is so hot and air conditioning is running all the time. We can help you out with that if you want to switch to solar energy. And if you're going to do that, you have to call my friends at May Electric Solar. They're a locally owned company. They don't use uh, subcontractors. It's got to be May all the way, and you can start start saving on your electric bill right now. If you do, uh, if you change to solar energy, you can receive a 30% tax credit by doing that uh, anytime through 2019. So call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Thursday, everybody. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.